0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International.
1: I want to take this opportunity to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the privilege and honor to be able to share the Word of God with you this evening, but let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, first of all, we acknowledge You. You are our Lord and our God, and we know without You we can do nothing. This is Your church, so come and have Your way this evening. Father, my praise for every person, whether they're online or in person, that their ears are open to hear your word, their hearts are ready to receive it, and their lives will change as a result of it. I never trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon you to come and have your way and speak through me this evening. And in advance, Lord, we give you alone all the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, say to your neighbor, are you ready for change? Praise God. Well, family, how many of you love to live a victorious life? How many of you won't put your hand up no matter what I say? (laughs) We wanna live a victorious life. We wanna live in victory, amen? Do you know that God wants that for you as well? That's His plan and His purpose for you to live a victorious life. And so the title of my message is The Victory Twins. The Victory Twins. If you wanna walk in victory, and you want to have success in your life, then these are two things that you must have and must be a part of your life as a Christian. And so this evening, as we get into it, let me tell you a little story. In June this year, I had the opportunity, my wife and I and some of our awesome staff here, went on a little trip in June. And we went on an amazing trip to some of the parts of the country I would probably have never gone to in my life. It was the first opportunity that I've ever been to these places, and they were really, really amazing. Now, we took a seven-day trip and covered over 2,300 kilometers. So we really got to see a lot of the country, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. So it'll come up now on the screens, and you can just see some of the places we went to. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, these are some places I didn't even know existed, and they were really, really amazing. We had some... Riding in the dunes there, you can see some of the team there, some amazing animals, some beautiful parts of the country. And you know, we then went to a place called Rimfas Mark. We went to a place called Rimfas Mark. And uh, this place, you really go off-road to get there. Seriously, I mean, you go off the road to get there. And so anyway, we were on this trip. This was part of, this is the furthest part of our destination. So we really gone far out. Everything up to then has just been <laughs> so nice, man and we're driving along on this trip, going there, and um, I get myself really stuck. Let's have a look at that picture. So like, I'm really stuck. I mean, the car is bottomed out, I can't move it, and with my limited off-roading ability, it just got worse. It really, really got worse. And you know, the harder I tried, the worse it got. The things I tried to do didn't help. The, The equipment that I thought I had, which would get me out of that mess, (laughs) and get me out of that mess. And time's moving on. We need to get to where we're supposed to go. If you're stuck out there, you got nothing. You got nothing. No cell phone signal, nothing. It's not like you're gonna wait 10 minutes and somebody else is gonna come past and help you. You could be there for a few days before anybody else comes out and helps you. So I'm really, really stuck. And you know, family, on our life's journey, life is going on. We're enjoying life. Everything's great. We think we're just having the best of life. And there come certain times where you get yourself really stuck, where you need to get out of it. And in this little uh, excursion, this thing that we went on, the terminology is you need to be recovered. So when you're stuck like that, you need to be recovered. And in order to be recovered, you need some equipment to help you to get you out of it. Because driving harder, putting your foot more on the petrol is not getting you out of it. And many times believers are in a rut and they're pressing harder the thing that got them into the problem and they stay worse in that problem. And so I needed some equipment. Now I thought the equipment that I had was great. And many times as believers, we think the knowledge we have is okay, but it doesn't get us out of that situation. And then I had to get the right equipment. This is a bag, yeah, it's called a recovery kit. And this is just some of the stuff that you need besides those recovery tracks, which are already under there, which helped a little bit. But this is called the recovery kit. And in here is has obviously some great gloves. They're not to make you look like Michael Jackson, but they are cool gloves to help you so your hands don't get all sore, you know? So you need a good pair of gloves. Then there's other things, there's some ropes. There's an amazing little snatch strap. Yeah, this thing is awesome. This is the rescuer. This helped me. But all these things help you to get out of the mess that you're in. That's what they do, they help you. And this is the right equipment. If you have the right equipment and the right knowledge, you can get yourself out of that mess. And in life, we need that. We need to have the right stuff and the right knowledge to get ourselves out of it. Even with this right kit, if I didn't know how to use it, I'd still be stuck, right? That's just the truth. And you see, Our recovery kit for life is this book called the Bible. This is a recovery kit. This helps you when you're stuck. But if you don't know how to use it, even if you've got the right one, you stay stuck. I needed to know how to use that. And so I'm grateful that I had Pastor Andre because he kind of knows how to use it. Maybe because he's been there a few more times than me. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, and there's several other things. in you, yeah, you've got to have a spade. You've got to get all those things to help you to get out of that. You see, you might be going on this amazing journey in life and everything's great. And you think nothing's ever going to go wrong. But Jesus said these words in the book of Luke. He said, when the flood comes, not if, is there anybody in this room that's never had a challenge in their life? If any hand goes up, we need to swap places. (laughs) I need to go down there. We all have challenges, right? We go through difficulties. Jesus has told us they're coming, but he has given us the kit to get out of it. And there's something else that I needed besides this amazing equipment to help me. I needed people to help me. I could have had that stuff, been by myself, and I'd still be waiting for somebody to help me today because I needed others around me. I needed people to help. You can see there's some pictures of us trying to connect all this stuff and hook it up and get it going and and, uh, uh, pull it out. And this is the definition of the word recovery. The Oxford Dictionary says this. The definition of recovery is this. To return to a normal state after an unpleasant or unusual experience or a period of difficulty. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to not get stuck and stay stuck. If you're getting in a situation, He wants you to move on so you can enjoy life as He's intended it. And so we need these things in life. We need a good recovery kit, which we have one, and we need people. Now look what it says here in Matthew 22 from verse 37. You can turn there if you have your Bibles with you or you you can watch on the screens. And I'm using the living translation. It says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second, most important, is similar. Some translations say is like the first, is as the first, okay? It says, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Verse 40 says, all the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled if you obey them. Keep only these, and you will find that you are obeying all the others. So, if I can keep these two things love God and love people, love God and love people the rest of my walk with God is going to be a whole lot better if I'm not loving God and not loving people, okay? People are always gonna be in your life, and you need to have the love of God. So what then is the love of God? Is the love of God just to walk around, sing happy all day and tell Jesus, well, I love you, I love you. Is that just the love of God? Well, according to John 14, 15, it says this, Jesus speaking, he says, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. In other words, if you love me, you will read my word, You'll obey my word, you'll devour my word, right? Because you'll do what I say. This recovery kit, the Bible, if you read it, apply it, spend time in reading the word of God, the promises of God, that's how you show God you love him by doing what he says. So I'd like to put it this way. The two victory twins is the word and people. The word and people. Jesus is the word, right? Right? So let's have a look. Let's break it down a little bit tonight and look at these two. The first twin is why we need people or why we need a support system in our life. Why do we actually need it? Can't I just go it alone? Do I really have to have people in my life? Can't it just be me and Jesus and that's just the two of us? Well, Galatians 6 verse 2 from the New Living Translation, the A portion of the verse says this, Share each other's burdens. Why would Jesus put that in there if he expected you to go it alone? Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried this exercise. is If you take a chair, a heavy wooden chair, and you pick it up by yourself like this, and somebody, on the, somebody comes on the other side, and they just lift it at the bottom, all of a sudden that chair becomes so much easier to pick up, right? And that's what God is saying. If you have people around you, your burdens are lighter They help you get through them easier. You see, family, God created our physical bodies with internal systems that support each other, and it's the same in our relationships. Remember Apostle Theo this morning spoke about dropping a brick or a hammer on your foot? (laughs) Have you heard that this morning? How many of you have slammed your finger in a car door? Anybody done that? Have you noticed the whole body knows you're in pain? Not just the finger. They are connected. They help you. The other hand comes to your aid, pulls the finger out, holds it. Your tongue kisses it. You know, some people stick it in their mouth. I don't know why that takes away pain, but some people stick it in their mouth, right? But have you noticed the rest of the body comes to your aid when one portion is in pain? It is sharing your burden. Your other hand is sharing the burden. If your toe is sore, the whole body seems to fall over. You notice when people hurt their foot, they fall over. Okay, but anyway, but the whole body comes to the aid. We need to share our burden. The same is in physical relationships with people. Everybody needs a support system of people. You see, sometimes when others disappoint us, we then make this statement. Well, that's it. It's just going to be me and Jesus. I'm going to do it alone. Some people have been there because they've been disappointed by people. If you're in that place today, whether you're online or in person, don't ever do that. That's a big mistake. Never go it Alone. Why is that so? You see, family, it's the sheep who strays from the fold that gets eaten by the wolf. And Satan will isolate you in order to destroy you. He brings offense, he brings disappointment and discouragement, and it causes you to withdraw. And that's exactly where he wants you. Because when you're on your own, that's where he can destroy your life. That's where he can really get into your mind and really destroy your life by saying, you see, you're better off alone. Those people are useless. They're never going to help you. And you become more and more bitter and more and more angry. And I'm saying, you must never be alone. When you're going through a difficult time, it's time to run for help. Go to people. Get somebody in your life to help you. You're stronger and better that way. We know what Ecclesiastes 4.12 says. It says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but... Two, stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That's what God is saying to us. You know, church studies show that people who have caring support, listen to this, this is a study, people who have caring support live longer, recover from illness faster, and find life more meaningful. That's the truth if you have people around you. Support gives us a sense of connection and acceptance, which are the core human needs. Everybody wants to be accepted. Nobody wants to be rejected or alone. I want acceptance, you want acceptance, you want people to welcome you in their circles. Well, that's what God intends. Family, that's what He wants. You see, it provides a place for us in which we can be vulnerable in a good way, in which we can just be around people and a place where we can feel safe and say things like, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I just need a hug today. Sometimes you just need those things. You see, family, that is support God's way, where you can just speak to people and say, I'm really struggling with something. Can you help me? You see, when you're struggling and you're by yourself, it is so much harder to get through that. And there are people that God has set up for you to help you on life's journey. And if you can't find that help and support in supporting your own family, then I'm asking you, come here. Christian Family Church is your home. We will give you that support. We will connect you to people that love you and will walk on this journey with you. You see, family, we have learned if in the Word of God that the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. If you read Genesis, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. According to the Word, the first problem in the Bible was solitude or isolation. If you're reading Genesis 2, verse 18, it says this, and the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Sin only came in chapter 3. But yeah, God is saying there was a problem. And one of the problems was isolation. You see, at creation, God looked at everything that he had made, and he said, that's good. Then there came a time when he realized the man was lonely. The man was lonely, unfulfilled and incomplete. That's when he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And obviously... He provided Eve for Adam, and they were successful together. The fact is, none of us can develop to our highest potential unless we are plugged into a nurturing, life-giving relationship. That's just the truth. You need that help in your life. It's all over you. Wherever you go, you need it. if you're at school, you have teachers that help you so you can learn something. If you go to universities, you have professors that help you. If you're not well, you go to a doctor, he helps you. If you need legal assistance, you go to a lawyer, he helps you. Have these people in your life that help you along your journey. In the walk of God, it's no different. You should and must have people around you all the time. See, here's an example of that. In the 12-step recovery program, The counselor only does 10% of the work by offering guidance. 90% of the recovery process takes place because people in the group challenge, comfort, and strengthen one another. You see, family, the truth is we are shaped by people. We are shaped by people. It's the people that have come in my life that have helped me to be where I am today. If they never came into my life and helped me and mentored me and directed me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And the same is for you. You need those people. We like to say it like this at Christian Family Church, that true life change happens in the context of relationships. When I'm with people, my life really changes. You see, the right people help you to become the best version of yourself and you get to do the same for them. Isn't that true? When you're among people, they see a you you can't see at times. They see something about you that you can't see about yourself, and we all need that, you see. They cheer you on as you move towards your goal, but equally important, they get in your face when you move away from it. Just as much as you want encouragement towards achieving what you need to achieve, equally important is having people in your life that say you're going wrong now. You need that. You don't want to find out 20 years after making the wrong choices, that that was the wrong choice. Because to come back after that is a massive thing. It's better for them to tell you before you make the decision, hey, that's not the right one, and correct it right there, amen? You see, family, the highest and best form of this relationship is referred to in the scriptures as the fellowship of the Spirit. And if you're taking notes, you can read in Philippians 2, 1, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, and 1 John 1, verse 6, you can read all about that. Now, it's not just social, relational, or intellectual connections, but a deep spiritual link that causes us to thrive. You need that more than just, I know you and you, my friend. You need that spiritual connection. It's like the difference between bees and butterflies. (laughs) Bees and butterflies. Butterflies, as you know, cover far more territory than bees. They cover far more territory, but bees gather more honey. Why? because they don't just land on a flower briefly. They stay there to extract the life-giving nectar. And you need to be in relationships with godly people so you can draw from one another that life-giving information that'll help you to change. You see, God gave David the gift of Jonathan and Naomi the gift of Ruth, and God has people he would like you to meet. There are people he wants to bring into your life you might be the person that he needs to connect to somebody else for their life. You see, there may be some who might say, well, Pastor Greg, if I could just have more money, just more money, that would really make me happy. Well, you might feel more secure and have fewer problems, but you won't necessarily be happier. Why is that so? Well, in the Journal of Happiness Studies, researchers looked at what distinguished reasonably happy people with less happy people. One factor consistently separated those two groups. This is what it is. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about your health, your security, your attractiveness, your IQ, or your career successes. Those were not the key things. What distinguished consistently happy people from less happy people is the presence of rich, deep, joy producing life changing meaningful relationships that's what they found in the study social researcher robert putnam said this the single most common finding uh, the single most common finding from a half century's research on life satisfaction around the world is that happiness is best predicted by the breadth and depth of one's social connections social connections see, church, you can know a lot of people without really being known by any of them. Isn't that true? I mean, we're sitting in a room with a lot of people here tonight. They're all surrounding you, but you don't really know all of them. Wouldn't it be great to know everybody here by name? That would be awesome, right? So that's really the thing. You can have all these people. You know, the people in the New Testament church in the book of Acts, they got it right. They understood the importance of being there for one another. You see... They got it right because it was in sharing with one another spiritually, emotionally, financially, and relationally that you achieve your highest level of joy. And they did that. The church gave and shared and helped one another. The Bible says there was no needy among them. You see, unhappiness can often begin with the absence of connection. It's not having a mobile phone with a lot of numbers in it. That's wonderful, but that's not connection. It's in sharing your life with those who live for a cause greater than themselves. That's what it is. So, where should you start? If you're saying, Well, I'm part of this church, where should I start? Well, I'm saying to you, you're in the right place, we have people here that want to connect with you. We have small groups where you can find a place to have friendships. We have an awesome dream team as you could be part of a team that you can live your life together. So, I'm inviting you to be part of group life here at the church because you've heard the messages that Apostle Theo brought over celebration. You need people in your life. You need them. You might say, well, I'm so busy. I haven't got time for it. Listen to me, friend. You need people. You need them. So the second twin that we're gonna look at, as I've mentioned, is the word of God or the recovery kit of life. Let's have a look at the second one. You see, Proverbs 12, 25 from the Passion Translation says this, I love this verse. It'll wake us up. It says, anxious fear brings depression. But a life-giving word, say a life-giving word. But a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. It's the word of God, family. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God is living and powerful. That's what it is. You see, when a person is stuck and needs recovery, they often become stressed out. When we were in that situation, when we were stuck, I'll be honest with you, I was thinking, how are we gonna get out of this? Because it wasn't like one or two attempts. It took us a while, and a while, and another one, breaking ropes, trying stuff. Eventually, we got out. And so, if you're, if you're in life or in a place where you seem to be stuck and you're not progressing, You can become anxious, you can become depressed, you can become concerned. Will I ever get out of this? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Will my life ever change? And so when that happens, we have to look, what is the solution? How do we get out there? There's an old Greek motto that says this, you will break the bow if you keep it always bent. You will break the bow if you keep it always bent. Those are wise words, family. But how do you loosen the strings? How do you really release that tension? Even when we make every effort to slow down and relax, there are other people in our lives that place demands on us. They want to, you should do this, you ought to do that, you must do these things. All those demands and challenges that are placed on you are like a hurricane wind. And often that drives our lives onto frustration and even despair, right? That's what happens. Let's have a look at a biblical example of a stress case. Let's have a look at that. It's the story of Mary and Martha, two unmarried sisters, and Jesus popped in to visit them in their home in Bethany. Let's have a look at that in Luke chapter 10. Once again, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10 from verse 38. And it says this, Now as they were traveling along, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary. I love this who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. In other words, she loved reading her Bible. <laughs> she was listening to Jesus, the word. It's an amazing scene if you can picture it. What a lovely scene. Yes Jesus dropping in, probably unannounced, unexpected for a brief visit. Mary, the younger sister, realized how privileged they were to have Jesus there. So she decided to sit down and really make the most of it. That's what she decided to do. She sat at his feet, listening to every word. But Martha, well, she was neither sitting down nor listening to every word of Jesus. She was under a great deal of stress. In Luke chapter 10, in verse 40, it says this, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. You see, family, as we read this, we read that Martha was distracted. Instead of relaxing and enjoying the Lord's presence, Martha was busy with all the preparations. You see, she was trying to prepare a nice meal, get everything done on time, arrange a table, be a good hostess, while her sister sat in the room and never offered to help. As her stress reached the point of breaking, Martha reacted strongly. These were some of the things. She assumed the Lord Jesus didn't care. She said, Lord, don't you care? The second thing is she blamed Mary for being irresponsible. My sister has left me to do all the serving alone. And the third thing is she tried to work things out her own way. She said to Jesus, tell her to help me. She thought that would be the solution. You see, it was okay for Martha to want to obviously serve Jesus something to eat. That's commendable, right? I mean, we'd all want to do that. If Jesus came to your home, you'd want to do that for him. She was like that. She was obviously uh, active, energetic, diligent, thoughtful, and determined. All good qualities. But here's the problem. Her problem grew out of hand when she attempted to do more than what was necessary. Many times we take on things that we don't need to. We get involved in stuff that we don't need to. And it causes us to get stressed out. She obviously looked critically at her sister because Mary chose to spend her time in the same way. Uh, Sorry, her time in the same way. It's interesting that anxious, prone people often blame others for their difficulty. Rather than realizing their stress is self-appointed, they often criticize others for causing it. Do you think that sounds unfair? Well, look at this. Let's read on in Luke chapter 10 from verse 41. It says here, but the Lord answered and said to her, this is Jesus speaking, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. When you spend time in the living word of God, it's not taken from, It's deposited deep in your heart. You see, the word Luke uses here, worried, for worried, is the one that means to be pulled in different directions. The root verb in the Greek means to divide into parts. That's what it means. Martha was being pulled apart from within. Her stress caused by this internal tearing. Martha allowed herself, she allowed herself, to get caught in a web of stress And the important got replaced by urgent. It was more important for her to sit rather at the feet of Jesus. But she thought the preparations were more important. So then how do we then overcome our worries or our challenges when we're stuck in this rut, when we need recovery? How do we do that? Well, we use the recovery kit. We use the word of God correctly in our lives. We don't just casually read through it but we spend time in it, building our faith, helping us to correctly apply what we need to apply. So let's quickly go to an old test, to the Old Testament, and we're gonna read a very familiar portion of Scripture. The following Scripture we're about to read is so well known to most Christians that perhaps we have missed some significant points in it. So I wanna read to you Proverbs chapter three from verse five. Proverbs chapter three from verse five. And it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. So when you read this portion of scripture, so many times we read over it, read over it, we've read it so many times, we miss some powerful points in you, which will help us get unstuck if we are stuck. And when we read that, we need to ask this question, what is my part and what is God's part? Is there a my part and is there a God's part? Well, family, let's just dig a little deeper. Are you ready just to dig a little bit deeper for a few minutes? There are three important things to observe in what we have just read. The first is this, that there are four verbs, words of action, okay, in these verses that we've read. Those four action words is trust, do not lean, Acknowledge and make straight. Trust, do not lean, acknowledge and make straight. As you take a closer look, you will see that the first three verbs are commands. The first three. They are directed to the children of God. They are directed to you and me. They represent our responsibility, yours and mine. Trust, do not lean and acknowledge. That's our responsibility. The fourth verb is a promise. It describes God's part in the verse, His responsibility. And that is, He will make your path straight. So if I had to put this in a little diagram for you, my responsibility looks like this. Trust, do not lean and acknowledge. That's mine and yours. Our responsibility is to trust, do not lean and acknowledge. And God's promise is He will make straight. He will make straight. So the second thing or the second observation is this. The same word is used four times. Can you find the word in that portion of scripture used four times? If you can, circle it. It's the word your. Your. Circle it in your Bible. So what is God saying here? If there's this word used four times, God is really emphasizing the personal nature of this truth. This, what he's saying to us, he is also telling us we must enter into it individually. Nobody else can do it for You've got to make this personal for yourself. You've got to apply this for yourself. You see, family, your responsibility in your circumstance is the following. Trust with all your heart and to refuse to lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways so that He might make straight your paths. Are you getting the picture yet? Responding to life situation is your choice. It's your choice. You can stay in it or you can choose to move out of it. You can grumble and complain about where you find yourself or you can say I'm going to do something about it. It's your choice. No one else can do it for you. The third observation is this. The first phrase listen carefully. The first phrase is linked to the last phrase giving us the main idea. What's the main idea of this portion of scripture? Trust, he will make straight. Trust, he will make straight. The two middle phrases simply magnify the main point, And that is, do not lean and acknowledge. So the main thing is to trust and he will make straight. What magnifies that is I must not lean and I must acknowledge. So let me explain to you. Let me read it to you this way. I am to trust in my Lord without hesitation and without reservation. With all my heart so that God might step in and take control, making my way meaningful and straight. And what is involved in trusting with all my heart are well, two particular decisions. One is negative and one the other one positive. The negative one is I am not to lean on my own understanding. The positive is I am to acknowledge God in the whole battleground. I've got to acknowledge Him. So if I had to read this portion of scripture in Proverbs that we just read and add a lot of meat on the bone. Let me read it to you this way. Listen very carefully to this. It says, throw yourself completely upon the Lord. That is, cast all your present and future needs on him who is in your, in. Him, for, sorry, for he is your intimate savior, God. Finding him your security and safety. Do this with all your mind and feeling and will. In order to make this possible, you must refuse to support yourself upon the crutch of human ingenuity. Instead, recognize His presence and concern in each one of your circumstances. Then, He, having taken full control of your situation, will thoroughly smooth out and straighten your paths, removing each obstacle along the way. If we do that, we will have that. So as we have read these verses, several specific truths can be seen. First one, this is a personal promise for anyone who is anxious or worried to claim right now. God has given this promise just for you. You need to claim it. That's the first one. The second one is this. God will do His part, but first, we must do our part. He will keep His promise if we obey His commands. Keep in mind that our response to his commands precedes his part of the transaction. So I've got to play my part first, right? Got to trust and do not lean. I've got to play my part. The third thing is God wants our total trust. Nothing held back, no games, no empty words. He expects our absolute confidence. He wants us to believe that he'll do it. Dr. Mike Murdoch once said, God's greatest pain is to be disbelieved. His greatest joy is when you believe him because he's not a man that he should lie. So if you don't believe him, you're saying, God, you're a liar. That brings great pain to God. A fourth thing is this. There is no area in which God, is un- that which God is unable to handle. God said in all your ways. He is the specialist in every circumstance. But friend, that includes yours. What you're facing, he's the specialist. He can solve it. So since this promise is to be personally applied, I want you to do the following, okay? You're gonna fill in in a blank in a moment what your current challenge is. So instead of reading that portion of scripture this way, in all of your ways, recognize him and he will smooth out your paths, removing all obstacles. You are gonna fill in the blank. You're gonna say in, and whatever your challenge is, you're gonna put it in that place. If it is in unemployment, I'm gonna recognize God. If it is... In marriage, that's a problem. I'm going to recognize God. If it's a health issue, you're going to say what it is. You're going to recognize God. If it's your children coming to the Lord, you're going to say, in this way, I recognize God. So right in this moment, you're going to put that situation there. You're going to take the worry that is eating away at you. And you're going to turn it over to God. And you're going to fill in that blank space tonight. And you're going to say, when we pray in a moment, this is the thing that I'm acknowledging God in. You're going to do that. Okay? And then you're gonna leave it with him. And you're gonna stand back and watch him make the difference. So tonight we're gonna pray, are you ready to do that? So will not you stand? And as you stand this evening, I want you to say this after me. And when we get to that part where you're gonna fill in the blank, you're gonna then under your breath, you're gonna say what the challenge is. If it's a job, if it's unemployment, if it's marriage issues, if it's health, if it's your children, whatever it is, you're gonna put that in there and you're gonna give it to God. Remember our part and remember God's part. So I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this after me, church. Pray it out after me. Say this, Dear Heavenly Father, tonight I come to you in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. I'm choosing tonight to trust in you with all of my heart. Tonight I decide I am not going to lean on my way of fixing it. I'm totally going to lean on you. So right now, now you're going to say this in, and you're going to say what it is in this situation. Say it now in, mention it under your breath, whatever the challenge is. If it's unemployment, say unemployment. If it's marriage problems, say in my marriage. If it's your child not serving the Lord, say my child serving the Lord. Whatever it is, say it. So say it with me again. In, and mention that. I acknowledge you, God. Say that. I acknowledge you, God. And I know that you are making my path straight. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. So right now, family, I'm going to ask you to pray in your heavenly time. Let's pray it through. We learned about prayer this morning. Let's pray it through. Pray. The band's going to sing. And as they sing for just a few minutes, I want you to pray in your heavenly tongue. We've given this to God now. And then what's gonna happen? If you say, hey, I don't know how to pray in my heavenly tongue, I want you to sing along with the band the song that they're gonna sing. I'll go over to you, band. Thank you.
0: And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I Of the good
1: to you. We're trusting in you completely. We're not leaning on our own understanding, but we've acknowledged you. We've said you've got this. And because of that, we know your goodness is running after us. We thank you, Lord, for the victory. We have the breakthrough. We are not going to go back and worry about it. We're not going to get ourselves stuck again. We're going to remain firm on your word, knowing it is done in Jesus' name. So family, remember tonight that you need to have these two victory twins in your life. You need the Word of God, which is your recovery kit, and you need to have people alongside you. So I want to encourage you as we go forward from tonight, spend as much time in the Word of God as you can and get connected to groups in the church, to people in the church that can walk this walk with you so that you can walk in victory every day of your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. will not you take your seats as you're doing that. I would like to pray for you this evening. If you're online or you're in person here tonight and you've listened to this message and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I've never prayed a prayer and asked Him to come into my heart. Well, friend, tonight's your night. Tonight is a great opportunity for you to be able to call on Jesus. The Bible says to us in Romans that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you'll be in right standing with God. And I want to pray that prayer with you. Now, I'm not asking you to come up to me. I'm not going down to you. you just stay in your seats. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And in a moment, when I count to three, you're going to slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to know that I'm in right standing with God. And I'll pray that prayer with you. Our second invitation is to anybody here today, whether you're online or you're in the service, and you once served Jesus with all your heart, but you know that your relationship has grown a bit cold. It's not where it used to be. Friend, please allow me to include you in this prayer. And you, once again, can ignite that wonderful relationship that you once had with the Lord and come back into that awesome relationship. And my third and final invitation is to any person that's sitting and they're saying to themselves, you know, if I breathe my last, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if I'm gonna make it to heaven. I don't know if I'm gonna go into the flames of hell. Well, friend, don't leave here without that question being answered. If you will pray this prayer, you can know for sure that heaven is your home and God is your loving father. So at the count of three, I want to come to Jesus for the first time. I want to come back to him. I want to know for sure heaven is my home. Why don't you raise your hand now and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Just raise it above your head so I can see it and I can pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Great decision there. Well done. Anybody else? Hands raised other venues or online, you can just raise your hand. All you're doing is acknowledging, Jesus, I need you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Now I'm inviting a member of our church just to come and put their hand on your shoulder. That's simply because we want to pray with you. Now I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me, but I'm asking everybody here tonight, let's pray this together, but especially those that have raised their hands. Let's say this prayer together. Say this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and He was raised from the dead. And tonight, I choose to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. And I receive you as my Savior tonight. And I thank you that I am now part of your wonderful family in Jesus name amen well welcome to the family of God welcome 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 so awesome thank you for joining us during this episode of living life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans we hope that through this inspired teaching you had an encounter with God if you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources